All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Upstream Podcast. My name is Minnow Park, and I'm here with my co-host, David Cho. Hi, everybody. I wanted to... This is a topic sort of that I brought up for us to talk about. And to be honest, it's one of those things that feel really great and I say a lot but I don't know how to fully articulate or how it lands with other people and so I wanted to explore this idea with David and see where he what he thinks about it and also how it manifests in both of our lives and and the work that we're doing now and the idea is this idea of courageous work and it sounds at one time so esoteric and good feeling and almost there's nothing to it right just sounds so empty and light but in another way it's the most important thing that we can do and it depends on who's hearing it what they're doing there's so many different contexts to it but to me that's the kind of work I want to help my clients do and the work I want to support and I also feel the people that I I'm attracting um, into my orbit but I just wanted to see where we could go and think about that topic so when I brought it up to you or you hear me say it here and there what what are the sort of the first like gut reactions you have when you hear the term courageous work are, are you going to define it later I can I can try I can try to define it I'm just curious and like I guess yeah. your first like initial impression reaction. of that idea yeah I think for me, the idea of courageous work, well, before, actually, like in, when you would talk about the concept, in a, before I had a fully transition to STAT, to me, courageous work felt like the act of doing something that you feel like you're meant to do or you're very scared of doing mm. and just jumping in and doing it. Like, that was what it felt like before. Like, it felt more like a jump than anything, like it wasn't courageous work. It was more a courageous act, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's how I heard it because obviously Mm -hmm. that was my situation. Mm -hmm. And now that I am fully in stat, courageous work has taken a completely different spin definition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it's like, it's truly the act of doing something that I feel like I have no place doing. Like I don't have the... I don't have the credentials. I don't have the experience, but you mm-hmm. do anyway because it's necessary to grow. Like That's what courageous work feels like to mm. me. So I'll give a concrete example. So for us in our current stage of stat, I mean, I'm sure we talked about last time, but we're fully bootstrapped. So, you know, we're also pre-product. So that means that people can't really get, click login and start using us, right? What we're doing right now, we're, currently selling the vision of the product Mm -hmm. we're Mm -hmm. selling the pain of it Mm -hmm. how how we address that pain in particular and you know and the biggest thing we have to do is grow our wait list and we have a pretty lofty goal by april 15th we need 500 people on our wait list yes i think we're at like a little over 200 right now so we have quite a bit to go and i say all that to say because the work that you have to do or at least i have to do every day is go on linkedin connect with literally connect with what is that a thousand plus people a week wow and of those (laughs) so that's what is that it's 200 a day so i'm literally sending out connection messages to 200 people a day and then 
of those 200, I'd say like 30 to 50 people actually accept. And then we send out another message. That's basically our pitch. That's like, here's our problem. Here's who we are. Here's wow. how we fix it. You should join. And of those 30 to 50, I would say one to five people sign up. So for me, the courageous work has been, oh my God, I have to get in front of these people and do this like sales type shit that I never thought I would do. Cold outreach, cold sales. And, you know, and then it, yeah. for me, the courageous work is like, kind of swallowing a little bit of your pride, a little bit of your uncertainty, a little bit of really it's fear of like, are these people just going to shit on me and just straight up reject me and call me an idiot and say, I have no place like asking them to do this or get out of my inbox. You freak, you know, I don't know. Like, but for me, that's been the real courageous work is like, it, it's the work of swallowing the fear, the pride, the uncertainty and doing it because you, we literally have to do it. We have to get this, we have to f hit this goal for the business wow. to grow. So it, it's almost like the, how do you do the thing that you would find annoying coming into your own <laughs> inbox? Right? Yeah. But, yeah. but you, this is like, no, 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 I'm serious. This is cool. Like I'm serious. Yeah. This isn't actually a good thing to do. Like, no, I promise exactly. I'm not like, <laughs> how many times have I had salespeople come into my LinkedIn DMS and be like saying all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know, like I yeah. roll my eyes or whatever. Yeah. And because I was that person, I know how 95% of people react, you know? And so uh, shit, that's, that's been really, you know, interesting. Yeah. But every single day, it's funny because every day the courage grows, not because of, not because of people's reactions change, but you literally every single day, Amanda, our co-founder, my co-founder and I, we talk about what the message is today. Mm. We tweak the message, little words every single day. Mm. And you start to trust the message. You're like, okay, this message is working better than that message. This language is stronger than that language. People respond to this or this length or, you know, whatever. And you realize that the work of sales is so much less on the person you're selling to and on how much you prepare, you know? And so mm. that's like, that's a really interesting way to build courage about even something like sales. Like I bet, like I bet very few of our listeners actually have ever done sales in their lives. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, <laughs> like sort of like, and, and sales and the, and it's not even about like people, you know, it's an, it's almost a probability game, a thousand yes. to 30 to yes. a sign up to 10% of the sign up. And then you have 50 customers. If you make it right, like that's the goal, like to get down it's to a handful of people. Yeah, it's yes. a it's a math related sales goal because, and that's eth right. That's just like universe. These are nameless, faceless people. In terms of what you're scared of, is this nameless, faceless crowd of people that you do not know. Well, majority, vast majority is complete, like ignoring indifference and re and not even rejection. Right? It's just like you yeah. just pass by their eyes. You know, you just glossed over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny when you say that, because for me, the real, like, I'm realizing that the real fear of rejection was like, somehow these people would click on my LinkedIn after seeing my message and be like, who is this fraud telling me that they have a solution to my very technical problems? You're a fraud. Don't even mm. try to sell me this shit. Mm. Okay. 
Like you're 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 a snake oil salesman, basically. Do you even like, code, bro? Do you even yeah, code? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like, have you ever managed a single engineer in your life? Like, what do you know about it? And and so, but the funny thing is that has never happened. You know, that's never happened. Yeah, and I think it's like the only way to realize that that never happens is if you have to just get in front of it and you have to do it. And that's what I have. That's what I have to keep doing for the next probably nine to 12 months, you know? So what is the identity you feel like you are building for yourself or taking on as you've been doing a specific sales role in, in the startup? That's interesting. I wrote on my LinkedIn the other day that the act of entrepreneurship is an act of reinvention. Mm. It's, it's this, you have to start to reorient everything about you. So for example, like before my career, I was, I wouldn't say I was an exceptional strategist. I was good. I was, I was pretty good. And if you go from being pretty good every day, um, very clear on how to do your work, you know, your goals, your goalposts, what to do. You go from that to complete uncertainty about what to do and how to do it. Then you start to feel very strange. Right. And I think, that act of reinvention is okay. What are my new goalposts? What are my new objectives? This is who I am now. I have to just accept that. And so, yeah. So, for me, it's it's been a lot of. I've been this very cerebral armchair expert type professional my whole career, and now I'm this in the weeds, more salesman than marketer type guy, and. You know, I think for me, the what I'm really having to accept or change is nobody has the answers, number one. And number two, like Amanda and I hit a wall this week where we're just like, mm. what we're doing is not like, have you ever done anything? that? Have you ever put out like so much effort and output and it just actually didn't work? Like I have, I know that sounds really weird, but it's, it's like, for me, it's like it, as if I dieted and exercised like crazy and I wouldn't drop a pound. Like that has never happened it, to me. It's, it's all math. Like if you do it, it works. And yeah. so for us this week, it was like, what, what, how do we, what are we doing wrong? How do we do this? Yeah. How do we grow this business? You know? And so yeah. for us, it was like, oh my God, this is the work. This is where you have to like, because we've been doing things that like seasoned entrepreneurs, seasoned SaaS founders have been doing and and it doesn't necessarily work in the same way. So we have to start thinking, how do we do this for ourselves? How do we do this? Like what, literally what can we do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it's that act of invention, reinvention and invention. Isn't there that, I forgot the details, but I think it was like Airbnb were selling like cereal or something, mm-hmm. right? Did this, yeah, to gain something. And like, we look at that now and we're like, oh, that's like, that's part of the startup lore and part, but at that time, you're just like, it, <laughs> I don't know who came up with the idea or how stupid they thought the idea was, but it's only there because they tried it and it worked somehow. But yeah. to your point of where you are right now, like you could be, writing that fable at some point and we can talk about that in a year that you tried something in the next two weeks and it worked but there was no guarantee of that happening and that un- that not knowing that unknowing of what is next and yet going forward is 
what I'm hearing you say as the courageous work you're doing every day. Yeah. So, I love that because I think that clarifies a lot, or at least it hits upon one idea I have about courageous work, which is like you said about reinventing yourself and a new identity you're taking on. And whenever you go against the status quo of anything in your life and try to do something different, there's a sense of uncomfortableness, unknowing, what am I doing wall that's in front of you and you lean into it every day, hoping you could either find a crack through it or jump over the wall or something. And yeah. I was listening through our, the last, I was editing the last podcast on my story for, for the pot, like my story of pivoting to coaching. And it just feels so neat. Part of me was listening to it. And I'm like, there's some revisionist history here. Like I'm making this super neat. I'm making this super like, mm. yeah, this is what I did. This is what I did. And, and I wasn't being dishonest, but I was, mm. I was being as vulnerable as possible. And I was like, whoa, this is very like, like mm. points on a, on a, on a store, like beats in a story. Yeah. And it's the only way that you, it's the only time I realized anything feels neat and organized is when you look back at what's happened. That when it's happening, you just feel like, what is going on? We can look back four months ago at your switch from the agency stat life and it's the beats are clean and you can do it. But I remember like random phone calls, random times and just sitting there for like two hours of us talking. And it's like, it's only in hindsight, it becomes a story. But moving forward, it's just, it's this weird unknowing and darkness. And I think when you're on the edge of anything that's important, it's always going to feel like that. There is no pattern recognition or matching that happens. And I think courageous work can be also defined by the opposite, by the, by its antonym or opposite, which I don't know what, I don't know what it would be exactly called, but something in the, in the sense of like predictable work that there's a lot of times you can do, you can choose to do work that's been done before you know how it's being done and you just sort of follow a tried and true formula, but you step away from the front line. You're, you're back towards where it's a little bit safer. And another part of that kind of predictable work, I think, is you let go of any responsibility you have on that outcome, right? You're not on the hook for what happens. Yeah, that's huge. Somebody else, like the 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 failure, the reasons, whatever the outcome is amortized amongst a lot of people, or it's the person above you. That's your, it's above my pay grade. Yeah. And whatever that point is, is where predictable work and courageous work, predictable work ends and courageous work begins. And I think all the people that we look up to that's held up as something work in that space of i don't know what i'm doing i don't know that what i'm doing that, yeah and i'm on the hook for it and i'm on the hook for it yeah that's the biggest thing yeah yeah that's 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 definitely true i think freelancing having your own business doing that kind of like creator work you are on the hook and i think mm -hmm. that is one of the biggest things that you take on doing that kind yeah. of work and 
I love what you say, and I love how you have been approaching this, David, because there are so many people ready to help you feel like the work can be predictable. A course, <laughs> a book, follow this guy, do this thing, 10 steps, how-tos, mm -hmm. that all sell you this weird promise of, hey, this work, this bleeding edge work of your identity and who you are and the most scariest work that you're doing, it's actually, here's the predictable way of yeah. how it happens. Yeah. But what they're selling you is, if I were to say it unmercifully, is a delusion. Yeah. There's some benefit. It's not full delusion, but it's not the right answer. It's, there's nothing that goes, there's nothing that substitutes a thousand messages a week. No automation, no AI, no service, no course, no nothing that can teach you how to send a thousand messages and do the nuance, hyper-specific tweaks that you need to do in order to make it 1% better. Literally, in a mathematical equation, 1% better hit rate of what's happening. And yeah. there's nothing that takes away from doing the work. And yet, I think... A lot of that is what's being sold. And as I'm talking about this, it's I've I've hit upon sort of the nerve of what I don't like about what I'm allergic with business coaching. Because I think business coaching can be sold as a delusion to say, work with me and I'll make everything predictable for you. And I'll my clients make, you know six figures and they do this and this, I have the answers and this is what, you, you know, selling it on that delusion versus saying, we all don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows at the cutting edge of what that looks like. So we're just going to go through it arm in arm together and let's see what happens. I may be yeah. a few steps ahead of you because I've done it for a couple of years, but it's really about someone coming alongside you to do that. Yeah. And yeah. What do you think? That's, that's, that's sort of the, yeah, that's what I have so far as I'm thinking. No, I, mean, I think like, it's like, there's this, you know, the whole idea of survivorship bias. Like that's, <clears throat> that's exactly, I think, especially in the startup world, it's like, you see all these people like Greg Eisenberg and all these folks yeah. that are just post thread bombing every day, these crazy yeah. insights, how yeah. to do this, how to do that, blah, 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 blah. And a lot of them, you like they're so actionable that as a founder, I can today do it, turn it on, yeah. turn on whatever yeah. they're saying. Yeah. And then you're like, why doesn't it work the same way? Hmm. It's not working. Hmm. It's not, you know, it's like these Twitter courses through these successful founders and they're, you know, and all, and they keep saying, if you're a B2B startup, all you got to do is this. All you got, like you see them all in the comments of each other's, of each other's threads. Like this is it. This is the way, yeah. you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and, you know, to your point, it's like, I think the true courage happens when it's like, you have all these resources, you have all these stories and yet they don't work and you figure it out. Anyway, mm. you keep going. Mm. Like, isn't that even harder? It's harder. It's harder to have seen people do what you're doing and be successful at it and then yeah. tell you how they did it. And yeah. then you do the thing that they yeah. said and it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. 
<laughs> all the time you spend to learn. Again, I don't think I don't think I'm saying it's wholesale useless. Like it's the way no, that yeah. you learn. You learn the rules of the game. Yes. But the rules are always changing. If we really think of it on an infinite scale, the rules of business are always changing. What they're doing yeah. worked for them in a specific way of where it is, where where it was at their time in their life and what's happening. But you learn, you spend all this time learning the rules of the game, implementing it, it not working, seeing what didn't work, keep trying. Yeah. Yeah. The courage is having your wheels being spun out of control every day. And keep going. And anyway, like, it's like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like, it's it's like we jump so much from let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try this. Let's try that. It's like this ongoing, like, what's that game? What was that game? Pin, pinball? Uh-huh, pinball, no, pinball. Uh-huh. It's like pinball. Uh-huh. That's what I feel like startup life. It's like, go to this, try that. Nope. Didn't work. Yep. 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 You know, like back and forth. And I think it's like, yeah, the courage is knowing that that's going to be the same every single day until it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And doing it anyway and being yeah. optimistic about it, being happy to do it, being excited to do it. Like, yeah, that's a grind. And it's enjoying the process, right? Cause you're never, you never arrive at anything. You never arrive at a specific point. There's nothing when, when you're pioneering, at least in your own experience, doing something you've never done before, how do you know where the, where the destination is? It's not, there's no plot at the end of it. There is a mythical plot at the end of it, but you know, an exit, something, some goal or something that's happening. But I think we, we make goals not based on who we're going to be when we reach those goals, but who we are right now. Mm. And then you said, you know, six to 12 months, you'll be doing LinkedIn. Like, but we don't know what who you're going to be in, in 6 to 12. Maybe we'll know who I'm going to be in 6 to 12 months. And even with coaching clients, I've started asking them with, you know, a questionnaire. And it's like, what do you want to accomplish in the next three months? And I'd say about half or majority of it, we started. And then we look back after a few sessions and they're like, yeah, these goals were, <laughs> weren't the right goals to set or changing as a person because of this and realizing what was misleading about these goals, which is why goal setting in and of itself is a very, I don't know, some people swear by it. Some people don't. It's, it's a very, it, de- it, it depends on so many other parts of it too, but. Yeah. It's, it's really your philosophy. Like who's the, who's the founder of Basecamp? What's his name? His name is Jason. Jason Freed. Yeah. They don't, Jason Freed, they don't set goals there. He said that yeah. in his company's 20 plus year history, they've never set a single goal. They yeah. don't have financial goals. They don't have yeah. team goals. They don't have nothing. They just make the pro- they make the product in- incrementally better. Okay, good example. Let, let's let's go with that Basecamp example because I think this. Oh wait, can is... you tell everybody what Basecamp is for those? Sure. Basecamp is a remote internet remote company that's been around for about twenty years, and they have. I actually use it every day, and it's a software that they use as a project management software um, that they've built and millions of people use it every it's, it's a, it's a SaaS company service as a software as a service company. And they've also now built a email platform that's literally fighting against Gmail and outlook and all those people Hey.com. So, called Hey.com. Yeah. And so they talk about these and, and, and they sort of, they were the first companies to go remote you know, they sort of have, they're sort of, they're thought leaders in this new era of working. And after pandemic with so many companies going remote, 
a lot of people are thinking about and catching up, but they've been the thought leaders of what that looks like. And the two co-founders- They're pretty radical. They're pretty radical and, and they have very much have opinions. And the two co-founders, they definitely speak their mind. And <laughs> them saying that they don't have any goals and stuff is, is, is great. And that's, that's fine. And, but let's take that as a specific example of a founder starting, let's say David Cho and looking and say, okay, no goals, no goal, this and this and that. To me, it's a mistaken way of taking that and putting it to Mm -hmm. where stat is right now, because Mm -hmm. it's a 20 year history of a profitable business that has recurring revenue. Recurring revenue is the Holy grail, meaning as long as nothing implodes and you have Millions of customers, as long as 75% of them don't leave in a month, you know exactly your forecasting of, of what that revenue looks like. Some people have yearly plans and that, you know, then you have a year's worth. So like, of course, you don't need, you don't need, you have the luxury of not looking at goals when you have a multi-million dollar company and you're just trying to serve these people because serving people, there's no goals to serving people. It's just intuition, listening, and iterating. Mm-hmm. That has no place for someone who is trying to get a wait list and, and putting the product out there to start doing that. Mm-hmm. But for someone to hear that, and I don't think Jason Fried says this is what everyone should do. He's, no, just, he speaking his, he's just speaking his reality. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing predictable. There's nothing that helps that lessen courageous work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is amazing because I think especially with people who are uncertain about their what they do, how they yeah. do things. Yeah. They they default to and this is me included, we default to doing whatever the lionized person does. Doing yes. whatever the hero does. Yes. If you if you do whatever the hero does, you're gonna be good. And you really believe that as a person. That's why, you yeah. know, there's like all of these like multi millionaire people selling these kind of shitty courses online. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. these people just buy into the idea. As long as I do what I what this person who's successful told, tells me to do, I'm going to make it just like they do. And the the problem with that is that's a fear. That's if you really boil it down, that's a fear based strategy. Mm-hmm. I don't really have the gall or the discipline to figure it out. So I just gonna I'm just gonna listen to whatever s- someone else is saying, and I'm gonna do that. And I think it's it's what we've been bred and trained to do. I yeah. think you can go as far as thinking about education, higher education, industrial, like industrial complex where they needed people to fall in line. And so they gave them security and a path forward to retirement, but saying, here are the set of rules for you to follow. Here is your job mm-hmm. description. Here is your title. Here is your lane. And it's palatable because it actually doesn't require us to like pull out our hairs every day. They're giving yeah. us a, a list of what we need to do. Follow this. I get a paycheck. I get, you know, this, these promises, let's do it. In the last 50 years, it's made America one of the most powerful and richest countries in the world. But the next 50 years is not going to look like that. The, the, the same promises do not hold anymore. And so mm-hmm. I think, I don't think it's, I hope no one takes us as saying like, you and I are like holier than thou or better for doing it. I think it's, I think it's, we're, we're, we're facing the same thing. And I think systemically we've been trained to think of it this way. Yeah, no, Uh, and it's like, it's not, and I would not say this is like 
a thing I perfected once I jumped into entrepreneurship. I think this is a thing that I was still thinking about when I was in the corporate world because it's true. Like, and it's it's actually worse in corporate America because you're given a a job description, you're given a title, you're given a like a growth plan, a promotion plan, right, whatever. Right, right, right. And and yet you're you're expected to always outperform yourself. Hmm. Right. So that's like a very strange. <laughs> It's a very strange place to be in all the time in corporate America. It's like you like what you're told to do is actually not enough ever. Stay in your lane. Don't swerve too far out, but swerve when you need to. But if you swerve too much, you got to get back in your lane. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's that's interesting. Yeah, they yeah. like they always say, like, if you want to get promoted, you should be doing your next level. You should have been doing what the next level requires for the last six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense from a corporate HR perspective, but when yeah. you really think as as an individual, yeah, you are told like you kind of have some comfort or peace of mind in knowing exactly what you have to do, but that's not a, actually a reality. Yeah, I, I would say maybe it sometimes it feels like compliance, mm-hmm. but it also feels very uncertain. You know, like because what yeah. we're talking about is like this intersection between uncertainty and progress i I would say Mm -hmm. like that's kind of like maybe there's other axes of of courageous Mm -hmm. work but Mm -hmm. in corporate america it's like yeah there's a forced compliance obviously because you have a job description like just do your job like you hear that you hear that in corporate america right just do your job why are you doing all this Mm -hmm. other stuff just do your job at the same time the paradox is just doing your job will not get you anything in corporate america Mm. right so it's like a forced compliance even but even if you want to kind of push the boundaries you have to do it really intelligently right thoughtfully yeah yeah so and and, and a startup might be the blending of that right sort of taking oh yeah taking out the parts about compliance and because everyone like i i have a client right now who's saying who just started working at a, at a startup. And it's like, we have two years of runway from the investment that we have. We have to get here. Let's figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the rub. Yeah. That, that's, that's the job description. Yeah. The, I mean, the difference is like you're pr- what you're promised. Right. But the, I think the way to get there is effectively very similar. I was hesitating in, in talking before only cause I, I don't want it to feel like a us and them approach oh, yeah, of, no. of, of what I, of what I'm saying but I think if there's anything to to think about in terms of how to incorporate or be more courageous in the work that that we do I I've I've thought about the difference between courage and bravery and I think mm-hmm. people use those two words interchangeably and I was reading this really great article about the difference and they and it says bravery is the ability to conf- to confront pain, danger, or attempts of intimidation without any feeling of fear. It is strength and character that allows a person to always be seemingly bigger than the crisis. Courage, on the other hand, is the ability to take an overwhelming difficulty or pain despite the eminent and avoidable presence of fear. More than a quality, it is a state of mind driven by a cause that makes the struggle worth it. And hmm. If bravery and courage, and I, I use those words interchangeably, but I think when people hear courage, they think of the person who goes in without any fear, the person who goes in mm. acting as if they know what's going on, you know? 
but it's actually the more fear you feel, the more, the more you're proving the point that courage is actually going against what it is that you're feeling because you're driven by a cause that makes the struggle worth it. Yeah. I think like the, the introduction of the idea of a cause is pretty important. I mean, I'm not trying to be some humanitarian or, you know, some fucking nonprofit, like, you know, I'm not suggesting that at all, but like, (laughs) I think for me in corporate America, I was lost in the why of the work mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because there was no cause to it. It was the, mm-hmm. it was just a means to an end simply mm-hmm. put. And I think there are a lot of people that they do find cause in their work, even if it's in corporate America. And I think about my wife a lot. I think for her, the cause is growth, mm-hmm. growth at all costs, like self-improvement or mm-hmm. proving to herself she can do it or just mm-hmm. learning or, you know, whatever it might be. And I think that's the noble cause. I think, you know, but, I think the difference between the work I do now and the work I used to do is I have a very clear cause. The The cause and the work line up one-to-one. And I think maybe like our listeners or, you know, whoever's out there, might they might feel this like cognitive or even emotional dissonance between what they imagine their cause to be and what they do day-to-day. And I think like there's two, there's two moments of courage. One is to align your cause mm-hmm. and your work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other moment of courage is to do the hard work that pushes forward the cause. I love that. I love that. My, my, my wife was telling me about the law of attraction and how it's been said and spun in all these different ways, but it's actually a scientific law that's out there from like a particle level of vibrations. And so good vibes and feelings, it's actually a scientifically proven idea of, of, of phenomenon, but Mm. on, on a social level, this idea that like, once you start vibrating at this level of intention and idea, and you put yourself out there, you attract like-minded people in that kind of way. And that attraction. And I, I, I keep thinking about whether or not you could have done this without Amanda and Paul, whether or not I could have done this without my coach or the community or the people or conversations like this happening. And I keep going, I think many, multiple times on these, on these podcasts, I've said about community. And I think once you have like-minded people and you're attracting like-minded people together, it feels like those front lines, it feels like the front lines and, and, and you're moving at it together. And yeah, it's the only way to like the word encourage is to literally put courage into somebody, right? Mm. It's pounding courage in encourage and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a messy thing to do to really Mm -hmm. encourage one another and we don't encourage really the way we're supposed to encourage one another Mm, true if we really want to put courage in one another and we know how hard that is i think we'd be much more honest vulnerable and challenging with one another in 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 truth and in love and Looking for those people, that kind of community, inserting yourself into that kind of community, I think, is also a really a big first step in order to try and do courageous work. It can't be done alone. No, that's a huge point. Like I was listening to this Tim Ferriss, maybe his second most recent episode. It was like Mm -hmm. his first podcast um, guest interviewing him. Oh, wow. And, you know, one of the things that they said, like, what are some principles that really you believe in to this day? And one of them was you're the product of the five closest people around you. And like, that is like, if you as a per, like for me, when I honestly think about that, yeah, 
it's actually it's game changing. It like totally makes sense about who I am, what I think about, the conversations I have. I don't think people really want to be honest about that. Like maybe the five people around me are are not really helping me or yeah. in, enforcing certain behaviors or thoughts or you know introducing ideas, you know, into my energy space. Like to your point, like yeah, I don't get like it. I don't think it's it's usually not negative vibes that you get yeah. from those people. It's yeah. what's worse is nothing. Yes. No signal, no noise. Yes. That's what most people's friendships. Yes. Most people's friendships, like most people's five close friends, they're either all five of them are fucking going after it. Yeah. Or all five of yeah. them are doing nothing. Yeah. And they're all just doing nothing together. Right. And so. Yeah. It's the first courageous moment when you change and then people are like, what are you Who doing? are you? Yes. Who, what are you Because you're threatening their own complacency. And it's like, and I think yes. that's probably the biggest fear we have. What is X, you know, that person, this person, this person going to think when I actually match that space with you, you and I together. And then mm -hmm. sort of trying to create that between us. Cause I need to hear anything that's coming out of my mouth more than anybody else. And I think <laughs> we're hoping that if we can sort of, meet people more than halfway in these kind of conversations that it can help them find it somehow even if yeah. it's not us per se but yeah we're sort of throwing out this vibration out there and seeing what what attracts to it right we should stop here because it's we can just keep talking on and on about it and it's one of those yeah. more recurring themes but i hope this uh, meandering conversation but really fired up conversation was helpful for people who are listening and we'd love to hear your thoughts if there's anything you want to push back or you guys resonated with we'd love to hear that and so thank you guys for listening thank you all listeners we love you bye all right bye